0: and welcome to Queer as Fact. I'm Irene. I'm Eli. I'm Alice. We're a queer history podcast that comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month, covering people, places, objects and events relevant to queer history. Today we'll be looking at Terva Jansen, the creator of the Moomins. (laughs) We have a few content warnings for this episode. There are mentions of anti-Semitism, period, typical homophobia, World War II happens, and there's one mention of
1: suicidal thoughts. If any
0: of that is something you need to skip, go ahead and find a different episode.
1: But Should you explain what a movement is? Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> so, probably not everyone knows what a movement is. Well, they're the most delightful species. They're very chubby. They were kind of like hippos, but upright.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're characters
1: which appeared they're...
0: in her children's books and comic strips and many other things. Mm. You can visit our blog and we'll put many pictures of Moomins for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, welcome to Moomin Week on the blog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I started looking at Tova, I went and looked on her like official website. And sort of looked at what they said about her life and that kind of thing. And while they mention her partner a couple of times, they don't ever mention, like, the relationship between them or how she fits into Tova's life or anything like that. And so I was having that kind of, okay, I was going to do an episode. Is this person queer? Oh, they yeah. mm-hmm. Invariably have for every episode. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and then I read her biography and she was quite queer. I'm going to start... A little bit before her birth, actually, just because her mother was super great. Okay. Is her mother queer? Not as far as I know, but her mother is just quite cool. So her mother's name is Signe Hammerston. Mm-hmm. She's generally referred to as Ham, like, <laughs> even by her children. <laughs> <laughs> That's very That's cute. funny. Like, Tova is always writing in her diary, like, saw Ham today. And that kind of thing. So what country are we in? Ham is born in Sweden. Okay, but we're in Finland, ultimately. Okay, mm-hmm. my main question was, does Ham mean anything in these people's language? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So she was born in 1882 in Sweden. She was apparently very physically active. I'm told she enjoyed sailing, hiking, skiing, and was a crack shot. And she preferred to ride with an ordinary saddle rather than side saddle.
1: Like a reasonable person. We've had side saddles come up before, and every time I'll make this comment, <laughs> <laughs> it's nonsense.
0: The biography that I was reading told me that, at one time, Ham performed as a circus rider to the king and queen of Sweden. Sure. I was not very convinced, but I wanted to put that in anyway. <laughs> okay. There was no citation for this. <laughs> she also started a troop of girl guides before there were Swedish girl guides. Oh. She heard about them overseas and was like, this sounds cool, and started some girl guides. And she was a suffragette. Good. She's- generally quite cool mm. ham is a drawing teacher in her like 20s and then she decides she wants to become a like artist on her own so mm-hmm. she goes to paris to study art where she meets victor jansen who is Turba's father victor was born in 1886 so he's four years younger than ham and he is from helsinki for some reason, and I couldn't find the source
1: of this nickname,
0: <laughs> he's referred to by as Fafan. 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 So how's, F-
1: how's that spelled?
0: F A F A N. Okay, good. Fafan.
1: So, and Ham.
0: Yeah, that's what like <laughs> Tova calls them in all her writings. Oh.
1: No wonder she ends up doing children's books with parents called Fafan and Ham. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Did you try just like looking up if Fafan had any meaning in Swedish.
1: In Finnish, presumably.
0: Uh, he's a Swedish-speaking oh, he's a,
1: okay.
0: Finn, so probably in Swedish. I found they suggested it was related to, I think, Fafa, which is grandfather, <laughs> which they thought he may have got at school Okay, for some reason, but they really didn't know. <laughs> so he is studying art in Paris on a scholarship, and he and Ham fall in love. And get married, and she falls pregnant, and the new baby is Tova. She has this gorgeous sketch, which she does of Tova, at, like, one day old. Mm. It's just, like, very round (laughs) and wrinkly. And she sketches in her diary a fair bit, Ham does, and the entry underneath says, like, translated obviously, "'Born on Sunday 9th of August at 5 minutes to 12.' It's nice she was a girl, but she was so ugly, like a little wrinkled old woman." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's how newborn babies are though. They have very squashed faces.
1: Some more than others.
0: Yeah. Clearly mm-hmm. she was a very squashed one. So when Tova is little, Fafin goes off and fights in the war against Russia. As you do. They mm-hmm. were invading Finland. It was a reasonable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tova says that he came home from the war like much more reserved and much more serious than he'd mm. been when he left. I assume that she's speaking from like her mother's memories on this because she was like quite young at this point when the point when he left so she wouldn't know generally the family still seems to have been like very stable and very happy she spends the summers with her mother's family on the island of Helsingfors, which sounds just like very idyllic Mm. her mother's got this large family and they rent out this
1: island Mm, sounds good
0: so is toad the only kid At the moment, later, she has two younger brothers. Okay. The youngest of them is 12 years younger than her. Mm -hmm. He does important women's work later. Yeah, so the rest of the year, the family lives in Helsinki. As a child, she was very interested in, like, writing and drawing, partly just because this is what she saw her parents do all the time. Mm -hmm. Her mother was an illustrator. Her father worked as a sculptor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she's always producing these little, like, children's books,
2: Mm. which
0: are very cute. Do we still have them? Yeah, there are, like, pictures from them in the book. I will find them for you later. And sometimes she'll put in, like, the little title, Upcoming Titles from Tove Janssen's Publishing House. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and, like, list little books she's planning to write later. Mm. <laughs> that's very good. Mm. But she soon kind of grows up from here to having sort of real adult ambitions in illustrating and being published, that kind mm. of thing. Her career as an illustrator begins in... 1928, I think she's 14 at this point, or 15, when her grandmother fell ill, and Ham was busy caring for her mother, and so just kind of, I think she just kind of left the work, and Tobel was like, well, I guess I'll take this commission. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And so she does some illustrations for a children's newspaper. That's a very enterprising 14-year-old. She's a very enterprising person, generally. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um... She was quite anxious about it at the time, I guess, understandably. Mm, Yeah. But the editors seemed to like her work, and they published her illustrations like several times over the next few years.
1: Did she have a style quite similar to her mother? Like, was she passing this off as her mother's work? Or was she just like, you didn't expect this, but here's my stuff. And they're like, all right, great. I think the latter. Okay. She also wanted
0: to publish it. A children's book she talks about being sort of 14 or 15 and cycling from publishing house to publishing house in her town trying to like give them her manuscript
1: oh my god
0: and be like publish my book are they like you're a child or are they like this is good she did get accepted once they agreed to publish Hmm. her and then other things came up and the publication was delayed for some reason and they didn't end up publishing the book until many years later when she made them publish it under a false name because by that point she was embarrassed by it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's fair enough. If someone published any of my 14-year-old work, I'd be mad.
1: Yeah. It's like when you are 14, you're jealous of that French girl who wrote the book about the three gem ladies, but now you're glad (laughs) that you didn't publish the book because you were writing then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's like I remember being so angry that the Aragon guy got published. (laughs) Anyway, in... 1930, and I think she was 16 at this point, she finishes high school and moves on to the Stockholm Technical School, where she intended to study industrial illustration. This seems to be kind of like graphic design, like the sort okay. of stuff she's learning is like drawing mm. for advertising. Mm-hmm. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see. That kind of thing.
1: That sounds more boring than women's.
0: Yes, it does. She... In order to attend the school, she left home and went to live with her uncle's family in Sweden, because it was in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. She was quite excited about this at the time, but as you said, she found it fairly boring in mm. the end. She found it quite like repetitive and stifling, yeah. and it just doesn't encourage the kind of work she's interested in. Mm. But she feels the need to be employable, I guess, in order to help support her family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she sticks it out and graduates after her three years, at which point what she really wanted to do was stay in Stockholm and go on to study painting. But she was always aware that her mother was at home trying to support the family. Her mother seems to have brought in most of the money into the family, like Victor's doing sculpture, and that's fairly kind of unreliable income. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah so eventually she decides she's better to come home instead of studying more in stockholm and she returns to helsinki so she returned to helsinki and enrolls in a painting school there which her father had studied at mm. and so she studies drawing and painting there while she works so she starts studying at the at the in helsinki Which she also finds fairly stifling. She just, I think, generally doesn't find classroom-based instruction really to suit her. But she seems to enjoy her classmates. She writes at this time, she writes a lot of, like, narrative poems about the exploits of her classmates and things like that. That sounds fun. (laughs) Which sound quite fun, but unfortunately I didn't get hold of any of them. I'll see if they're out there. I don't know. Do you Mm. know if... Maybe they haven't been translated into English. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible. Mm. She just left a lot of notes. When she died, she left black like, notes mm. and correspondence and she kept diaries for her whole life.
1: I love historical figures like that.
0: I become someone fairly resentful of historical figures that don't do that. I'm like, why didn't you write a diary?
1: <laughs> didn't you know that we'd want to research you for a podcast one day? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's in these narrative poems we see the first mention of Tuliki Pietala, who we will hear much more about in the future. Mm -hmm. It's a very cute name. It gets cuter.
1: (laughs) How does it get cuter? It gets diminutive, I assume.
0: But the two of them aren't really close at this time. They're in different years, and Mm -hmm. they don't sort of really know each other. They're just kind of peripheral to each other's social circles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But during her time at the Athenaeum, she has what looks like her first serious romantic relationship. It's with a man named Samuel Mm Vanni, who is an already established artist. He's five years older than her. She seems to be like genuinely quite in love with him. She describes looking at the portraits that he paints of her with a joy that hurts Mm. and believes that his paintings of her could not be so beautiful if he did not love her. Oh, that's so, sweet. Yeah, she seems to be quite in love with him, but she also feels that pursuing a like long-term relationship with him would take away some of her independence and that mm. kind of thing. Oh, so, yeah. She doesn't really know where to go from there. She keeps the relationship secret from her parents, particularly her father, who she feels wouldn't approve one for the age difference, which is 5
1: years, so I'm not sure why she was worried about that. Mm. How old is she?
0: She must be 20.
1: I mean, I think that's fine, but I can also see why a parent might think that was a bit uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Do you know if her worries about, like, being in a long-term relationship with him, taking away her independence, is a thing about just being in a relationship with a man, or is it a thing about him? It's generally a thing about relationships with men. It's something she talks about a lot in later relationships. Mm, Okay, yep. The second reason she keeps the relationship secret is that Sam is Jewish, and she doesn't think her father would approve.
1: Hmm. Well, he's dead to me. He... He's dead to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's quite ideologically bad. Okay. He seems to be generally like a good parent. Like he doesn't cause direct suffering, but he's ideologically a bad thing. I mean, I have to keep my boyfriend a secret because he's Jewish, sounds like causing her suffering and being a bad parent. Mm. They do eventually find out. And while they tell her that, that they're opposed to the relationship, Mm. They don't sort of force her to do anything about it. Okay, so her mother is Ham also opposed to the relationship? It's not really said, I don't think. The concerns that she's talking about are concerns about her father and his anti-Semitism. Mm. And the age difference. At one point, though, before he's found out about the relationship, seeing that Tova is frustrated at school... Faffin proposes that she instead leave and take an established artist as a private teacher and mentor. For example, Samuel Vanni, you seem to know him. <laughs> and she writes in her diary like, oh God, they have no idea. I don't know how to approach this. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Eventually, Sam proposes marriage to her. But like I said before, she has those sort of issues with giving up her independence or allowing his ambitions to take priority over hers and so she turns down the proposal mm. they remain friends for essentially what seems to be the rest of their lives she becomes quite close with sam's later wife
1: yeah, that's nice
0: and she still like shows him her pictures and stuff and asks for critique so that seems to have gone quite well overall in 1937 she wins an art scholarship i couldn't figure out what the conditions of this scholarship are because basically she goes to Paris and she tries out a bunch of different art schools there for like short periods of time on the money from the scholarship so she seems to have just been given a bunch of money okay that's nice to go and like further her education when will Queer as Fact win such a scholarship <laughs> I know right I know anyway she goes off to Paris to see if she can find a school that suits her there because she hasn't enjoyed the ones she's done so far mm-hmm After trying out, like, three or four different schools, she finally finds one that suits her. It's smaller and less well-known than most of the schools that she's been at before. It doesn't have the same kind of reputation, but she finds that that offers her kind of the freedom to explore the things that she wants to, Mm -hmm. as well as still having that kind of guidance and instruction. Okay. She's particularly interested in painting. She doesn't really at this point see herself becoming, like, a writer or an mm-hmm. illustrator. She wants to be a painter. Yeah. Do you know what sort of painter she wants to be? Like a portrait painter or a landscape painter? Or like she does a fairly wide variety of things. She paints landscapes. She paints portraits. She paints still lifes. She paints a lot of things. Okay. She has a very kind of. I guess it's almost a little bit of an old-fashioned style in that. She complained a lot when she was at the technical school that they always wanted her to draw things in a modern modern style, and she was like, I hate this, it's terrible. I don't know anything about art. What does that mean? For her, most of what she objected to was the kinds of colours they used. She was like, <laughs> it's really drab, it's really brown, I hate it, it's too kind of... Uh. She always liked really sort of vivid, bright colours. Her instructors were often kind of looking at her paintings being like, this is really good, Tova, but don't you think you are a bit heavier than green? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Her time in Paris is very kind of formative for her as a young adult, just in terms of she's living away from family for the first time she sort of is developing her independence and developing her art style her father comes to visit her in paris while she's studying there and he writes home to ham about how she's developed as an artist and how proud he is of her and Hmm. how she's sort of developed this independence and maturity and he sort of says admiringly that she can get around like a local and her art is so mature and he's just very impressed with it, basically. That's good. That's good. I know he's dead
1: to you, but like... <laughs> he is still dead to me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So
0: how long is she in Paris for? She's in Paris for, I think, a year? Okay. What year are we in? We are just before World War II. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't actually what I was leading to. I assume that's what you were asking. 1937.
1: So are you spoiling for us why she leaves Paris?
0: No, no, okay. I'm not, actually.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. I was wondering too to, like, Paris was a pretty queer place between the wars. Yeah, yeah. Is she involved in any kind of queer subculture or anything at that time? She doesn't seem to be. She okay. doesn't seem to sort of... It was never really mentioned her having, mm-hmm. like, romantic relationships or that kind of thing at this time. She really only kind of explores the queer side of her sexuality much later.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is so close to so many lesbians. I know. exactly. <laughs> I know. This is kind of good, actually, because untangling all of those lesbians into, like, <laughs> different episodes I Don't know, a Lapalette is already hard enough without Topher being in there, so. Yeah, true. Fine.
0: True. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> true. <She's, laughs> like, doing painting and not hanging out with lesbians, apparently. Or she didn't write about the lesbians, if she was. Mm. Uh-huh. But she seems to have been, like, fairly thorough in her diary writing, so. Yeah. I feel if she was having lesbians, she would have said. If she was
1: having lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Anyway. she spends So she spends about a year in Paris, and then a little more time traveling around the rest of Europe. She goes to Italy and writes a bunch of letters home to her family, telling them how great it is, how much she's learned from looking at the museums and that kind of mm. thing, and how she loved to live by the sea. Mm. And... Please don't worry, Hammond Pfaffen, I know there's a war coming, I know what I'm doing, I'm staying safe. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I'm glad she's staying safe. And then, when the war is coming closer, so in 1938, she decides, look, this is probably sensible, I'm going to leave Italy now. And she comes home to Finland, where she gets a job drawing political cartoons for a magazine called Garm. <laughs> what is garm?
1: I do not know what garm means. I can find
2: out. I think we should like, Google Translate let me see garm. G a
0: r
1: m. G-A-R-M. So garm's just some nonsense. Garm's just a word. I'll okay. ask my Swedish friend if she knows what garm is. <laughs> and she'll be like, "What is this text?" With <laughs> no context, is what is garm? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, garm may just be a nonsense word. But anyway, she's drawing political cartoons for garm. Basically,
1: I'm terrified
0: about what these.
1: No, she's are good. Content. Okay, she's good. Course.
0: She's good, don't worry. She's mostly like anti-fascist, anti-Hitler. She does a lot of like poking fun at Hitler and Stalin.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: That's a pretty safe level of political cartoon. Yeah, she's like on the right track there. She- these are the first of her works, actually, where the Moomin figure appears. The Moomins are anti-Hitler. The Moomins are anti-fascist, that's right. <laughs> I was going to ask when we saw the first Moomin in her life. Yeah, mm. she doesn't call it a moomin at this point. She calls it
1: Snork. Snork! <laughs> but is that a, like, name of species, or is there an individual moomin named Snork?
0: I think there's just one of it at this point, I and see. its name
1: is Snork. Oh, snork is all alone at this point. He is the atom of moomens.
0: <laughs> yes. The moomin named Snork is fighting Heather. <laughs>
1: I want them to remake Captain America the First Avenger, but cut Chris Evans and replace him with Snork the Moomin. <laughs> like, Skinny Steve just comes out of that tank thing as Snork the Moomin, and they're like, <laughs> we'll take it, and then he fights him. Like. I would watch that movie.
0: <laughs> I'm picturing that scene where he goes in on the motorbike and rescues him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, dancing with Peggy Carter. <laughs> Are there villains in Moominland?
0: No, Moomins mostly seem to, like, they face natural disasters and they face, like, personal character flaws. And Hitler. Okay. early
1: Hitler very early on. <laughs> <laughs> they
0: yeah. defeat Hitler and then they're like, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, she has snork and he becomes a kind of, like, signature in all her comics like people start saying oh you can always recognize it to have a Tova comic It's got snork in it oh does she like incorporate him into the comic or is it like the, where she just draws like a little snork in the corner so you know it's her he sometimes interacts with things sometimes he's just like you know that little snail yeah, little, yeah yeah that's what i was thinking of that little snail that that one cartoonist does <laughs> I don't know who that is. Yeah, no, he's just this kind of signature character who comes and, like, sometimes makes pithy comments. She preferred not to have text in her political cartoons. She was like, I find it most insightful if you can get this across without words. That's good, as she probably didn't do it in English, and we don't speak Swedish or Finnish. She has one, and it's about Stalin, and Stalin's there, like, ready to draw his massive sword, and it's, mm. like, in this, this massive scabbard, and the next frame is Stalin drawing his sword, and it's,
1: like, this one. Wow. <laughs> so it made me laugh so yeah. you gestured this one with your hands and we can't be seen but i think from context the people listening to this can guess that it was quite small it was quite small <laughs> all right yeah well Stalin probably didn't love that Stalin did not it got censored that one was snork in this somewhere
0: <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think so it has okay. like a small chubby dog in it like a pug at the bottom Who's looking like alarmed in the first frame, and then in the second frame is like, "Oh, this is chill and barks and stuff." Can humans talk? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, humans talk. So the war has the effect of seriously damaging Turva's relationship with her father. He- Why? Basically thinks the only reasonable position for a sensible patriotic Finn is to be opposed to the Soviet Union. Being opposed to the Soviet Union means being friends with Germany. Also, he's anti-Semitic. You can see how this is not great.
1: I'm digging him up and killing him again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) She basically thinks he's being unreasonably rigid. He's formed this political opinion. The war with Russia that he fought when she was little. And mm. she's like, look, you're not taking the current situation into account. You can't just be allies with Germany. A reasonable line, Eva. To... Yeah. And she's perpetually angry at him because she also has a lot of Jewish friends, like in her social circles mm. and like left-leaning friends because that's what artists are like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they fight about this perpetually. And she writes at one point to her friend Eva, who is living in America now. She was a Jewish-Russian. She decided that was not a cool place to be for a Jewish-Russian and then Mm. for America.
1: Russia's very rarely been a cool place for a Jew to be.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So she writes to Eva at one point, Fafin and I have said we hate each other. I feel sorry for Ham, but otherwise I feel no guilt, no sorrow, no nothing. I feel like a stone. It would be nice to stop living, but one goes on all the same. It's hell to be still living at home here, but for Ham's sake, I must at least come home to dinner damn the war
1: oh my god
0: it does seriously damage her relationship with her father basically she's she says she's not upset about it but she's apparently Mm. quite upset about it
1: i'm not upset i wish i were dead yeah basically
0: yeah okay she also during the war years she has another lover the artist tapio tapiovara that's amazing that's his name she calls him tapsa okay (laughs) I didn't have a lot of information about him, but he proposed to her as well. Mm -hmm. And she decides she's not going to marry him. She can't give him what he wants. She's not willing to, one, she's not willing to give up her independence. And two, she's not willing to give him children, Mm. which I'm going to read you a quote she says. So when he proposes to her. This is what she writes. She also looks at the relationship of her parents and she's sort of thinking, I don't really want that. All the reasons I don't want to get married came up. One man after another. Faffin came first. The whole male solidarity and protective pedestal of privileges, their weaknesses inviolable and fenced in by slogan, their inconsistency and charming disregard for the feelings of others. She goes on for a while... (laughs) I haven't time to marry any of them. I'm no good at admiring and comforting. I've seen how Fafn, the most helpless and instinctive of men, tyrannises over us all. How Ham is unhappy because she has always said yes, smoothed over problems, given in and sacrificed her life, receiving nothing in return except children, war can kill. And she finishes all this with, I refuse to give birth to children who can be killed in some future war. She's basically decided at this point that marriage to a man is incompatible with... Mm-hmm. what she wants mm-hmm. in her life and she's not going to have children because
1: humans are bad mm. that's where she's at so the war is really doing a number on her
0: she's not in the trenches nobody's shelling her directly but this like definitely affects her mm. Yeah, one of her brothers is called up to the army the older of her two brothers is called up to the army later uh-huh. on the younger one gets called up but the war is over before he ever goes anywhere oh.
1: is her brother okay Yes. Okay,
0: good. Yeah, everyone in her family survives the war. Cool. Although the early war years were quite successful for her career as an artist, over time, just the stress of the whole situation with her brothers in the army and the situation with her father and the general threat of invasion from Russia Mm -hmm. is taking a toll on her. And by 1943, she's writing, I began to get started again with my painting, but now it's all gone wrong again. The main thing is not to be afraid, which Mm -hmm. basically she's sort of trying to say, I can't not be afraid here and I need that for my painting. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of, she's not very direct about whether she's talking about being afraid of like creating something substandard or just being generally afraid. Yeah. But yes. However, even though her painting isn't working out, in the later war years, she starts to work on the Moomin stories. Here is where the Moomins come back. Good. She's in the early 40s. She's written down some of the structure. And by 1944, her notes contain a story titled Moomin Troll's Strange Journey. How wonderful. How wonderful. In the story Moomin Troll's Strange Journey, Moomin Troll and his mother, Moomin Mama, are looking for somewhere to- safe to live in the winter and looking for the mysteriously disappeared Moomin Papa. He this, comes
1: back, it's fine. <laughs> His collections of consonants are just so delightful.
0: Yeah, reading about movements is like very uplifting. I can see why she got halfway through the war and was like, alright, I'm thinking about movements. That's it. She had some trouble getting it published at first. She Why?
1: <laughs> <laughs> For what possible reason? <laughs> Don't know. No,
0: she sends it to her usual publisher. But basically, they just take a long time to get back to her. In her diary, she writes angrily, they don't care about my Moomin troll now when the war's going to hell. Mm. So basically, I think she just thinks they're not up for something so frivolous. Mm. I care about her Moomin troll. I
1: do. So they're delaying when Papa will be found, those monsters. (laughs) I know.
0: I know. They're keeping Moomin troll's family apart. In 1945, as we all know, Mm
1: -hmm. the war ends.
0: (laughs) Yay! Good. World War
1: II shows up more often than I'd like in this podcast. World War II shows up in the 20th century, like every time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's with that? Yeah, so the war ends in 1945, and in the autumn of 1945, the first Movement's book is published. So is Movement Papa found now? Movement Papa is found.
1: Where was Movement Papa? I don't actually know. (laughs) That's fair.
0: I can find out. I will Google where is
1: Movement Papa? <laughs> five seconds i just want to see if this comes up with the desired content <laughs> i believe in you google where is it's... One word.
0: papa with two p's one word but a double p
1: Moon and papa at sea oh that's a different book
0: Later on she also writes an autobiography from the point of view of Papa, <laughs> Explaining about his exploits before he had a family.
1: Is it called the Exploits of Moom and Papa? Yeah,
0: that's the one. Is his name Moom and Papa before he has a family? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I never
1: really thought about this. <laughs> he was just going about the world and then he met Moomin Mama and he knew that they were meant to be <laughs>
0: But yes, so the book comes out. It's now titled The Moomins and the Great Flood.
1: So this is biblical or not I
0: think it's like moderately biblical just in that it references a great flood but it's not like full of bible references yeah like symbolism
1: Noah but a woman
0: (laughs) it is not (laughs) Noah but a woman (laughs) she doesn't seem to have made a great fuss out of having her first published book Both her brothers put out books in the same year. And so I think she's just a bit like, yeah, and my book as well. Everyone's doing this now. Mm -hmm. So before you said she sent Moomin book, whatever it was called, to her usual publisher. Her publisher that publishes her drawings. Oh, right. She draws for like children's newspapers and like children's books and that kind of thing. It's also her like family's usual publisher. So her mother will send things to be published there. Okay. They have this kind of ongoing relationship with the same publisher. What sort of books do her brothers write? Her brothers write less adorable short stories. One brother writes a book of short stories. The other one writes some kind of... It was described as a Stone Age novel. Sure. And I was like, I don't know what's in this. Okay. (laughs) Good. Anyway... What with both her brother's books, she doesn't really seem to think that the Moomin book is a huge deal, but she's fairly excited about it. She starts getting ahead of herself and imagining it being translated into English. She writes to Eva, her friend in the US. Do you think the Moomins could come to the USA? That would be enormous fun! And starts talking about getting her brother to do the translation.
1: Um, Going back to the Stone Age book, I have an important comment. Yeah? You know those, like, stereotypical cartoon outfits that Stone Age people wear with the like animal skins. Yeah. yeah. Imagine a Moomin in that. <laughs> That's my comment. We can go on now. <laughs> Do you
0: know how many languages Moomins are now in? All of them. Many. Good. <laughs> I hope she's very
1: happy. So she gets ahead of herself and then Japan is like, we're gonna get ahead of you.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. She gets ahead of herself and then the rest of the world is like, you thought you were overexcited about this book? Just wait and see. <laughs> she tends to kind of slip her own, like, views or satire content that really only makes sense from an adult perspective into her Moomin books quite often. Mm-hmm. There's one which I kind of enjoyed later on. She was in Comet in Land. The plot of Comet in land basically is that there's a comet coming and they're all alarmed that the comet is
1: maybe going to hit and kill them all. Cool. So um, they're
0: looking for, like, somewhere safe to hide.
1: They seem to do that a bunch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this seems to be what Moomins do. Can you just... Verify that the Moomins do not die in Comet in Moominland. The Moomins do not die. Good. It is fine. But so in Comet in Moominland, she has Snorkmaiden come to... <laughs> I, say I can't call Snorkmaiden a Moomin because Snorkmaiden is the girlfriend of Troll. She is not a Moomin herself. So is she a white upright hippopotamus though? Yes. But she's not a Moomin. No, I thought that was what a Moomin was. The Moomins are like the family that has Moomin Troll and Moomin Mama and uh, Moomin Papa, okay. and there are a bunch of other Moomin-shaped things, like Snorkmaiden and her brother. But Moomin isn't actually the name of the species. <laughs> it's hard to say. And then there are some other things that aren't Moomin-shaped in these books, but are also like cute and have little names like Snufkin. Yeah, Snufkin. And what's the other one called? Hattifattenber. <laughs> I loved that one. Okay, I'll stop trying to understand the classification of movement like creatures. You can make, like, a dichotomous key. <laughs>
1: oh my god, I pull out dichotomous keys and, like, ten years.
0: <laughs> I enjoyed dichotomous keys. Me too, me
1: too. I'm, like, gonna organise turtles. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she has Snorkmaiden come to this meeting that her brother Snork has called about how they should deal with the impending comet, and she basically calls him and the other men at the meeting to account for spending too much time talking and wasting time and not enough doing anything. You make such a fuss about it all, she says. It's quite simple. All we have to do is creep into Moomintroll's cave and take our most precious belongings with us. Which relates directly, and Tova writes about this in her notes and things, her personal opinion is that there is nothing more idiotic than assembled men <laughs> being formal... <laughs> Like, we've all watched Parliament. <laughs> yeah. And I just really enjoyed that that kind of went in that she was like, oh my god, men having meetings. I'm going to be angry about that in my children's book. <laughs> At this time as well, as the war is ending, she has another lover whose name is Arto's Wirtanen.
1: This is the man that Snufkin is based on.
0: Yes. He has
1: the hat. He has the hat. And I believe also the pipe.
0: Yes. His surname is Wirtanen, but I don't really know how to say Finnish names, to be honest. So I don't know. know where you put the emphasis in that name. We have um, finished listeners, don't we? Yeah. So message me and be like, Jesus Christ, you could have like put some effort into that, Irene.
1: Yeah, we're, we're quitting a podcast for right over now, by, And then we'll just sit here and cry quietly with movements. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what will happen.
0: <laughs> so the relationship they had seems to have been very kind of free and very open. It causes a lot of sort of talk among her social circles in that way where they're like, you two are... Doing something which is like slightly pushing the boundaries of what's acceptable here. You need to get married or cut this out. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yep. She's like constantly felt that she can't be confined in what is expected of her as a married woman. Mm. Is her social circle not sympathetic to that? Could she not express that with her like friends? Or
0: I think they're in theory sympathetic to that and in practice this just sort of goes on for long enough that but... Okay people start being like, hang on, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. I guess it could be a bit like, I don't want to get married. Okay, that's fair enough. Why are you doing all the married things with a man then? If you don't want to get married, just marry him. Yeah. But she didn't feel like their attitudes to relationships or love were the same. Her and her partner? Yeah, her and Artos's. It wasn't very clear in what I read what she thought the problem was, but she writes, I know he is scarcely capable of love, at least of what we mean by love. Okay. But she's very fond of him and he's very fond of her. And Mm -hmm. they're generally like, they seem quite happy. So I'm not really sure necessarily what she's getting at there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Another one she writes, and I don't have the quote written down, but, but she's like, he loves me the way he loves the sun or the trees or the air, only more. And again, I'm not quite sure what she's getting at there, but she obviously is trying to say that he's approaching this in some way, which is fundamentally different to the way she is.
1: And... Is she just not quite comfortable with some kind of poly thing? With you saying they're very free and open or what?
0: Maybe. I think maybe she's looking for more commitment. Okay. But then on the other hand, she doesn't want. I mean, I guess it's not so much she doesn't want commitment mm. as she doesn't want the kind of giving up of herself that yeah. would be expected from a woman in a marriage. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that's the issue there that there's a commitment she wants that she's not getting. Anyway, she seems to have generally been happy with him in spite of this tension, and he proposes that they get engaged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is like the third proposal she's
1: had. She's like, this again?
0: (laughs) Yeah, basically. She turns him down because she thinks their views on relationships don't quite match, and partly because she doesn't want children. Mm -hmm. And she writes again, This war has taught me one thing at any rate. No sons, no soldiers. Mm Okay. So she's not doing that. That's quite sad. Yeah. She does sometimes think about having children again, where she's like, maybe if I could have a girl. Mm -hmm. But... Obviously, she can't like make that decision, she so she's not going to have children at all. It's okay, because she has Moomins. This is true. She has movements.
1: She is the Moomin Mama.
0: Yes. Actually, her mother is the Moomin Mama. Oh. There are only, apparently, there are only two Moomins that she sort of openly admitted publicly were based on people in her real life, mm-hmm. and one of them is Moomin Mama, who is based off her actual mama. Ah, So Ham is the Moomin Mama. Good, good. And so what's the other one that she based on someone in her real life?
1: Ham is the Moomin Mama is the best sentence I've ever heard. (laughs) We can cross stitch that too for you guys.
0: (laughs) A cross stitch Moomin would be good.
1: The other one is Snufkin,
0: right? No, she only, like, that's in her letters, but she doesn't come out and say it publicly. Oh, I see. There are, like, a number of people where she writes to them privately with, like, the pet name that she then gives to their Moomin later and things like that. Eli is just screaming into his hands. I
1: love (laughs) movements.
0: Yes. So, this is where things get gay. Good. In 1947. So, she's still with (laughs) Snuffkin at this time. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. (laughs) Uh. Does he have the hat in real life? Yes. Yes. He does have the hat with the flowers around the the broom
1: that's only sometimes
0: there's a picture of her with a flower crown as well
1: good i've seen this yeah
0: yes she has some like very charming photos of herself in 1947 tova meets the theater director vivica bandler so vivica bandler is a woman vivica is a woman she is definitely a woman okay i just don't know how these scandinavian names work i'm sorry i'm not sure what ethnic background vivica is as a name it's okay. quite a nice name. It's quite nice. Mm. I thought that. I'd never seen it before and it's quite yeah. nice. It's not entirely clear to me the circumstances that they met in or how they fell in love, but it's apparent that they become very close in a very short space of time. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely, there's no question about this. This is queer. Okay. Very queer. Um, how do you know? I will tell you okay. in a moment. <laughs> but first I will tell you, she based two characters in a Moomin book off herself and Vivica.
1: Oh,
0: I Are think there gay movements. I don't think moomens, some movements don't have gender. Oh, okay. Mm. It's apparently an ongoing, I have a quote at the bottom somewhere from her niece, who now runs the, like, women Estate? Estate, yeah. <laughs> who says they used to get letters, like, Tova used to get letters all the time being like, hey, what's the gender of this character? And she'd be like, why do you keep asking this? I didn't draw them one. So <laughs> I uh, Moomin Mama and Moomin Papa, male and female. Yes, I believe so. Moomin so I st- Troll, I think, is male. Snork Maiden is female. But there are a bunch of more androgynous characters, and apparently they get letters in all the time saying, you know, what's the gender of like this character? And they're writing back saying, look, it's not defined. Whatever okay. you want. Yep, that's
1: good. That's so Moomins are almost inherently queer.
0: Yes, wow. Moomins are queer and anti-fascist. <laughs> you've there, everything you want
1: to i knew that was a reason i was drawn to them in childhood and <laughs> mm. yeah, they're so cute and fat
0: they are mm, They are
1: everything you could want them to be they're
0: so chubby
1: <laughs> it's so good they're so chubby their heads are the same shape as their bodies <laughs> I know. yeah they're just like
0: a small head on a bigger head they're like a pear
1: yeah they are like a pear
0: that's yeah, good so yeah, she bases two characters in a woman book off herself and Vivica, which she calls them Thingami and Bob. <laughs> Is she Thingami or Bob? I believe she's Thingamy. She signs her letters to Vivica with Thingamy. Oh, <laughs> and Thingami and Bob speak an impenetrable language of their own that nobody else speaks, and they sleep together in a desk drawer.
1: That's <laughs> some heavy queer symbolism. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I didn't know women's were so small.
1: (laughs) Maybe it's a massive draw.
0: Tova is still seeing Atos at this point. This doesn't seem to be a problem. I mean, I guess it did appear to be quite an open relationship. Mm -hmm. Vivica is married. I don't know whether her husband was just aware that this was happening or whether he didn't consider it a possibility or Mm. whether he just wasn't paying a lot of attention. (laughs) I'm really not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a thing where people will like dismiss close female relationships and not really think about them yeah
1: yeah just imagine him having dinner with ados and be like isn't it nice that our partners are such good friends and ados being like oh my god <laughs> 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 this is so awkward
0: yeah
1: i just hiding under his massive hat <laughs> <laughs> just like retreats into the hat
0: <laughs> yeah they write a lot of letters to each other because like three weeks after they meet vivica spends a while in paris so mm-hmm. they have a lot of really like effusive sort of honeymoon phase in love letters Aww. and vivica writes to her i'm in love with you i'm in love with your mind as well and then urges that we have to be careful homosexuality is still illegal in finland at this point even when for do- women I think so. I seem to be given that impression that they apparently bothered to ban that. Cool I did not I mean that's novel that they thought of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure of the details, but that seemed to be a concern for
1: Mm. I guess that's both validating and offensive. (laughs) Yeah, Mm.
0: basically. (laughs) (laughs) And Toba's letters are even better. They're very like florid and effusive and what she writes is, Now I'm the sun shining. It's as though you have made me new. How can I explain how everything has changed since I met you? Every tone is more vivid, every colour cleaner, all my perceptions are sharper. My happiness is stronger, my despair more powerful. She's very like gay. passionate and intense <laughs> and gay about this. Basically, <laughs> it's, it's quite gay. And so while Vivica is in Paris, I was going to say overseas, and then I was like, wait, this is Europe. <laughs> that doesn't work in the rest of the world. Yeah, so Vivica is in Paris, and Tova is working on a mural, which includes a depiction of Vivica. She also writes a poem to Vivica, which I am going to read to you. So she never published any of this poetry, but she did write poems to Vivica. This one she writes, obviously this is translated. She writes, blue I painted the sky, sun yellow your skirt, lovely your smile. I painted you most sweetly, I painted you on the wall. There you will stay, just as you were when you loved me.
1: Mm. I like how her bright colour thing has continued. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. She is very bright at all times. (laughs) Vivica is abroad for a while and they exchange letters a lot. And by the time Vivica returns... They're still in a relationship, but it becomes clear that this relationship isn't going to kind of last in the long term. Mm -hmm. I never saw a sort of reason why. I think they just weren't sort of long-term suited to each other. While Tova was very upset by the breakup itself, she still writes that being with Vivica made her feel proud and natural. Which I thought was an interesting word, natural. Mm. But after breaking up with Vivica... She writes to Atos at the end of 1947, proposing the marriage that oh. he proposed to her and she turned down last time. Okay. What's changed? Why does she want to get married now? Respectability? is Like, how is being an unmarried woman at that time as a thing? When she was traveling, it was something that she had trouble with, but she doesn't seem to have at home. Okay. The book I was reading suggested, suggested that what she wanted to do here was sort of close the door on relationships with women what they said she wanted to close the door on what she referred to as the other side which is relationships with women having had such a passionate and turbulent experience with vivica
1: i like how paranormal that makes (laughs) yeah
0: later (laughs) on she refers to it as the spook side
1: oh my god (laughs) So instead of like a personals column in a queer ladies magazine, she gets out a Ouija board.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So is there any evidence from Tova's own writing to suggest that this is what she was doing? Or is this just speculation by the biographer that you were reading? I think this is just speculation. Like it wasn't sort of backed up by quotes from her beyond like the phrase the other side, which is just. mm. She does talk later on about finally feeling at peace with herself in relation to her sexuality and that kind of thing. So I would believe that it troubled her at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. It's also, yeah, possible that this relationship with Vivica has finished and she thought, well, I guess I should go back and sort of cement the good thing I had. Mm, Yeah, maybe. I don't really know why she did that. But anyway, she writes to Atos and suggests a marriage and Atos agrees and then keeps kind of postponing the date for various reasons putting it off and putting it off he sort of says look let's wait till after the election which is quite a serious business at the time we're in like the late 40s they have the kind of communist versus fascist situation going on mm-hmm. oh, okay. yep, in their yep, elections yep. and they're sort of genuinely waiting to sort of see how life is going to go okay. but yeah he keeps putting it off and eventually she stops waiting and sort of planning the wedding and takes a trip to Italy with Sam and his wife Maya so why does he keep putting it off I don't know. That wasn't clear either. Possibly he asked her to marry him earlier, and by the time she came back and said, oh, look, I'd like to marry you, he was thinking, this isn't really what I want after all. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, like, I think they may have just changed what they wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, So, yeah, instead she takes a trip to Italy with Sam Fanny and his wife. So that's her old ex-boyfriend. Yeah, that's her ex-boyfriend. She remains quite close to him and she gets very close with his wife. That's good. And she also gets a 50-year lease on an island called Breadscar. Good. She's bread. Yes, Bread. <laughs> She's always wanted to live on an island. It's quite near the island where her family spent their summers, I think. Mm-hmm. I went on an island. When she was young. And she distracts herself from the breakup with Vivica and her sort of hurt pride that Artos keeps putting off this wedding. She moves over to the island and spends a few months there living in a tent, writing Moomin books and building
1: a log cabin. Oh my gosh. That is the ideal life. <laughs> yeah, That's <basically>. so idyllic. <laughs>
0: the finished log cabin, incidentally, it looks incredibly legit for something she apparently just built on her own. Good. Good on her. She did a nice job. I mean, her mm. mother founded Girl Guides, right? She was probably yeah. pretty well trained. Yeah, mm. true.
1: The girl guy just make log cabins in the woods?
0: I don't know any I've never been a guy. Guide. Girl guys can do anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bredscar is a wonderful name for a place. It's yes. both comforting and hardcore.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah.
1: It's like if you called it like Cheese Doom or something.
0: <laughs> I would live on the island of cheese doom. <laughs> Anyway, you can assume through all this time, the Moomins are gradually getting more and more popular.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: The books are translated into English, as she hoped. Does her brother do it? No, I don't think so. And they go to the UK rather than the US. Okay. But they are translated into English. She writes her first Merman theatre piece. Oh my god. Wait, how does this work? Do people dress in, like, big Moomin costumes they are all padded out like Moomins? Can I get a
1: big Moomin costume? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Next time we record, I'm going to be in a big Moomin costume, so I want you to picture that if you're listening to this.
0: (laughs) She gets criticism in her Moomin play hilariously from an angry parent for the strong language that her Moomins use. What? What do Moomins say? The phrase that, like, is raised in his complaint is something which seems to translate as Hell's growl jumps. What? Hell's growl jumps. Like, hell, growl, grrr, jump. Like, it's like a nonsense child swear word. Okay. But I guess the issue was is they said hell. Yeah, maybe.
1: It's a Ron Weasley swear word.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a Ron <laughs> Weasley swear word, yeah. She didn't take this complaint very seriously. She was like, no, my movements are expressive and emotive. <laughs> Beautiful. They moment. are permitted to speak. Don't censor the movements.
1: <laughs> They're anti fascist, and they will be heard. <laughs>
0: At this time as well, she starts writing the autobiography of Mim and Papa. <laughs> <laughs> it's in first person. I think you should all know that.
1: <laughs> Does he always have a top hat? Do you think you learn how he gets the top hat?
0: I hope so. I hope so too. And the cane—is that from like an injury in his adventures in his youth, or like Mum and Papa Mim goes and to Thomas. war? Yes. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> The Evening News, which is a newspaper in London, it was, I think, the like most widely circulated English-language newspaper at the time, mm. take on a Moomin comic strip oh my in the 50s. So now everyone sees Moomins at all times. <laughs> 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 she writes about... After the premiere of the Moomin play, she writes to her friend Eva, and she writes, It would be lovely to paint a peaceful, old-fashioned still life. This whole Moomin situation is getting like quite hectic. Oh, <laughs> but... How I'll miss the theatre, she says. So, she obviously enjoyed the Merman theatre experience. Sorry, was she involved in the Merman play or did it just happen and she went and saw it?
1: I know she wrote it. When she said a still life, I know that's not even what a still life is, but I very much did picture, like, a very formal oil painting, but of a Moomin. A Moomin family portrait. There are actually some of our traditional paintings with Moomins in them.
0: There's, like, Street at Twilight with Moomin. (laughs) 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 And then... In the US, they write to her and they sort of say, look, over here, when we have like cute comic characters, we start making like branded merchandise of them, like Moomin soaps or whatever. Are you into that? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, sure. As long as it's good quality. <laughs> they make a bunch of like Moomin branded products, like little like plush Moomin toys and Moomin lunchboxes and things. So the Moomin's going really well. She's got a lot of money coming in, she writes at one point, and I think what she says is, it's going so well, I get rich even though they cheat me. But on the other hand, she's becoming increasingly frustrated with the amount of time that just Moomin business takes up. (laughs) (laughs) Like drawing comic strips, like negotiating those kind of business things, like the Moomin tales or whatever. Oh yeah. You know, responding to letters, that kind of thing. Her first love has always been painting, and she wants to get more time Uh to sort of pursue that. But she doesn't get a lot of opportunities because she is busy with Moomins. So meanwhile, while the Moomins are doing crazy Moomin things and getting famous, her personal life, she's making sort of significant changes in her personal life. In 1952, she ended the relationship with Atos. They sort of mutually agree that the marriage they've spent like five years putting off is probably never actually going to happen. (laughs) Reasonable. (laughs) And maybe they should stop this relationship and so they end the relationship I believe they remain friends as well she just seems very good at breaking up with yeah, people yeah she hmm. does put on her and so she writes to Eva in America I haven't finally made up my mind but I'm inclined to believe that the happiest and most genuine solution for me now will be to go over to the spook side
1: <laughs> okay, I'm in a minute <laughs> that was so iconic
0: <laughs> yeah I need to know if she made up the spook side
1: that's just like they say in swedish i don't know
0: is that like a common phrase in finland i
1: have no idea is (laughs) halloween just gayer in scandinavia
0: eva expresses some like concern about tova and her attraction to women and like i don't know if you can be happy this way Mm. people make it hard Mm -hmm. oh yeah
1: yeah
0: so tova writes back and says it would be silly for you to be upset about it i myself am very happy and feel a strong sense of liberation and peace
1: oh i'm happy for her that's good
0: so she's very happy within herself about this. She's has more relationships with women and she basically feels like she's at peace with this and this is what mm. she's looking for. But it bothers her that she can't be open about this with either of her parents. Her father Fafan manages to ask her about her sexuality, but what she writes is he can't bring himself to say the difficult word homosexual. <laughs> So he kind of obliquely asks her, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm quite gay. And as for her mother, Ham said nothing. She never said anything. I think she knows, but she doesn't want to mention it. I can accept that this is right and more elegant, but it feels lonely. Mm. So she can't talk to her parents about it, really, which upsets her. But Mm. personally, she feels like she's gone in the right direction. So does she write anything at this time about how she feels about her previous relationships with men.
1: Yeah, does she feel like this is a kind of compulsory heterosexuality thing that she's been going through or?
0: I don't know really. She doesn't kind of write about it directly. I definitely get the impression that she's like a lot more sort of effusive about her feelings in her relationships Mm -hmm. with women Mm -hmm. but I don't know whether that's just she feels more comfortable with them because she's older or because she finds it easier to talk to women Mm -hmm. or Because the other relationships were something she considers less genuine now. I don't really know. Hmm. But she definitely seems to have reached this point where she's like, okay, I have dated men in the past, but now I've gone over to the spook side. (laughs) (laughs) I'm using this phrase forever. Yeah. yeah. I'm making like a badge. In 1955, when she is 41, Tova met Tuliki Pietla, who I mentioned before because she made a brief appearance in like a poem that she wrote at uni.
1: (laughs) Where she was very obviously flagged. (laughs) Yeah. As (laughs) important and gay.
0: As important and gay. Who is... Also in her own right, an artist and graphic designer. So they're both like independently quite successful in their fields. And like I said, they knew each other before this. They attended the same art school in Helsinki and they had some mutual friends in Paris. They apparently once encountered each other in a nightclub in Paris. (laughs) But they had never really become close until in 1955. They meet at a party where they were both, this was quite hilarious, hovering close to the gramophone to make sure that no one would meddle with the music. (laughs) So basically they're both like hanging out by the gramophone to make sure no one changes it before their favorite song has ended or whatever. Do you know what music they liked? I don't know, but they do apparently like share music taste. Tova asked Tuliki to dance. Tuliki thought that would be inappropriate, but... Mm -hmm. In any case, like fairly shortly after that, they start spending time in Tova's studio together, drinking wine and like sharing records with each
1: other. Aww, mm-hmm.
0: that sounds nice. So, yeah, they apparently have some opinions on music together. It's quite a slow-developing relationship, but after a few months, Tova writes, I've finally made progress with the person I want to be with. Oh, that's good. It's very cute. She invents the nickname Tutiki, <laughs> which is the name of the movement. That she models after Tuluki. Incidentally, the Moomin that she models after Tuluki is a very
1: androgynous Moomin. Mm -hmm. Okay. So is Thingami still around?
0: Yeah, Thingami's still around. There are a bunch of Toba insert Moomins.
1: Does Mm. Thingami stay with Bob or does Thingami now get together with...
0: No, Thingami stays with Bob.
1: That's nice. In their drawer.
0: In their drawer. So that's fine. At home, Tutiki is rapidly shortened to Tuti. And that's what they call her for, like, the rest of her life. That's what Tova's family calls her forever. Yeah, they also send each other nice letters. So Tova writes to Tootie and says, I love you, enchanted and at the same time in great peace. I'm not afraid of anything that lies between us. And Tootie writes back, Tova, you can have no idea how much I love you. (laughs) And they're just very in love, and it's very nice. They move into studios side by side. Mm. So they're not like in
1: the same studio, they're just in the same building rooms side by side. So it's very easy for them to be like, I'm done, let's drink wine now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good. Which is something Tova has always kind of wanted from a relationship that ability to live and work independently but mm. together. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Rather than having to kind of give up parts of your mm-hmm. life to each other. Mm-hmm. So she is very happy. After a trip to Paris with Tutti, she writes to Maya Vani, so Sam's wife, who she's quite close to now, I would never have thought life could be so happy and peaceful, so friendly, day after day, week after week. Aww. I like that she always describes it as being peaceful when she's in happy relationships. Yeah, I think that's just what she likes. And that's one she says about her relationships with women, and I've ne- never saw it come up about the men, mm-hmm. that she feels at
1: peace. You know, she was worried that she'd have to give up parts of her life if she lost yeah. a relationship with men. So I guess she maybe just doesn't have that anxiety constantly in the background. Yeah, yeah no, that's,
0: that's true. In 1958, Tova's father, Victor, died. Shame. Shame. What a tragedy. They'd reconciled somewhat after the end of the war. By the time of his death, he would write her letters that opened with, Dearly beloved Tova, and ended with, Say hello to wonderful Tutti for me.
1: Well, I'm happy for Toma, but he can choke.
0: She was still a little bit stunned, I think, by how upset, like how grieving she was about it. Mm. She writes after his death, I must have loved Fafan an awful lot despite him being so difficult. Mm. So mm. yeah, she was quite upset about it. She was much more worried. She thought it would be much harder on her mother than her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah understandably so she was much more worried about ham than she was about herself
1: does ham live alone from now on
0: yeah ham lives alone sometimes sometimes she spends time on the island Mm -hmm. with tova okay on tova's island that tova has yes (laughs) Yes. (laughs) in the 1960s she's becoming more famous and she's Mm -hmm. beginning to get upset people keep trying to come to her island to look at her
1: (laughs) that would upset me too or like
0: interview her so she moves her studio to an even more remote island (laughs) i don't have the name of the further island written down i think there's a lighthouse on it oh yes that must be cheese to him. Cheese to him. <laughs> <laughs> it must be cheese to him. I think at this point is when she writes Moomin Papa at Sea on her even more remote island. And this part of her like time of her life is fairly idyllic, honestly. She and Judy split their time between summers on their remote island and the rest of the year in Helsinki in their two adjacent studios. She outsources much Moomin's work to her younger brother, and so she starts finding more time to paint again. So does she outsource like the business side I think or does he draw Moomins too? He draws Moomins as well. Okay. He draws some Moomins and does some business things for her.
1: I'd be so happy if a Moomin career just fell into my lap like that. (laughs) Yeah I know. I feel like I could draw a Moomin.
0: Yeah. She stops making the Moomin comic strips after some like 10,000 and something pictures of Moomins.
1: Oh my god. She's like that's enough I'm going to stop now. Mm -hmm.
0: She doesn't stop the Moomin stuff completely. She still writes several more Moomin books in the next couple of decades. One, she starts working on paintings. I originally had a whole lot of detail here about the things she painted and the awards she won and how good she was. She was very good at painting. I'm not actually going to list every finished painting medal she won. At one point, she was crowned Moomin Queen in Stockholm. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's an ongoing award. Can we become Moomin Queen? <laughs> I don't know. Her family was apparently very proud <laughs> I mean, were there, like, big competitors to the title of Moomin Queen?
0: <laughs> I mean, she made the movements. I don't think there was any competition for, like, 2001. Yeah, she also starts to feel like she has more to say than she can say in sort of children's lit mm. and starts moving into adult writing. A lot of her works are sort of semi-autobiographical. She writes, at this time, Sculptor's Daughter, which is a series of short vignettes about her life.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And that she... sounds
1: just straight autobiographical.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a bit like semi-fictionalised, kind of. Slaps, yeah. And she writes The Summer Book, which is based on the life of her niece Sophia, watching her and Ham spend time together on the island. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of this novel about a six-year-old girl and her grandmother and their relationship.
1: That also sounds very pure.
0: It sounds quite pure, yes.
1: All of this just sounds like such good fodder for like a Studio Ghibli movie.
0: Yeah, really, it really does. She also writes another play called Fair Play, which is shamelessly based on her life. It follows the lives of two women, Yana and Murray, who are two like artists and graphic designers who live I together. See. I think they live on an
1: island most <laughs> of the time. Like it's completely <laughs> obvious. She's like, we can't call it Breadsker. That's too obvious. What should we call it? Cheese Doom.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was given. Good reviews, apparently. But while some critics recognised it as an autobiography, others thought Yona and Murray were two different sides of the same woman. But few wrote about love between woman and woman or about homosexuality as a narrative. So is it a queer play? It is, I think, not an overtly queer play in that they don't sort of kiss on stage. Mm. But it's very much based off her and Tuliki's relationship. Okay. And I just thought it was that sort of worth noting that critics preferred to read it as these are metaphorically two sides of the same woman that hey maybe they're a couple i don't have a lot to say about her life from here on it's fairly stable she spends her summers on the island they take a lot of lovely like home footage of them messing around in oh, boats together
1: i'm so keen to see this it's really nice i'm so glad she just settles into this like nice life and then just lives that
0: yeah, she mm. she really just does. She kind of, it takes her like till she's 40 something to find right. it. And then when she does, she's like, all right, I'm here now.
1: It's always nice when you hear about people meeting their like partner when they're like 40 or something like that. Yeah. There's just so much fiction about people like meeting someone in high school and then marrying them and everything like that. And not a lot of people meeting like a partner as a middle-aged person. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah. People start kind of stressing in their 20s mm. about if they haven't found yeah. their partner yet.
1: Yeah. And it's like, chill, you may
0: live on an island, friend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And probably more so for queer people as well, because once it's taken her a while to kind of understand what she wants and then come out and be comfortable with that, she's going to be, you know, 40 by then. Yeah, the two of them just continue to live this idyllic life where they paint and write women's books and... We live on an island in 1989. She writes a letter to Vivica, actually, I think, where she says, Imagine two people alone together for four months on a deserted island without getting angry with each other more than twice. Well, three times, says Tuti, but it didn't last long. <laughs> 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 They're just very cute and it's very nice. So how long does she live for? She died in 2001. She was quite ill in the last five years of her life she had lung cancer in 2000 she suffered a stroke and was cared for in a nursing home for the last year of her life and she was buried in her family grave with her parents and oldest brother so we coexisted with the Moomin creator we did. we did we did and tutti lived until 2009 i couldn't find out where she was buried hmm. whether it was close by hmm There was one thing I wanted to say here, and it was from that interview I read with Sophia Janssen, her niece, who Uh runs the movement estate now.
1: Yeah, where the movements run. (laughs) Where the
0: movements run free. (laughs) She's talking about realising when she was a child that there was something unusual socially about Tova and Tuliki's relationship. And she tried to ask the family what was going on there, and she says, they kind of made me say it, and then said, yes, that's it. But the word lesbian was never used. I don't know precisely what she means when they made her say it. Mm. I don't know what words she used. She goes on to sort of say she thinks that lesbian was perhaps not the right word anyway. She made a positive, documented choice not to marry and have a family. She made a conscious decision not to bring children into the world, and so I think she's trying to say, no, she had genuine attraction for these men, but that mm. part of her identity just didn't really fit with what she wanted. Mm-hmm. So she sees this just as a bi woman thinking that a life with another woman would suit her better, and so yeah. choosing to pursue that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But she does say it wasn't gender that mattered to Topa, it was the individual that doesn't come directly out of Tova's mouth. I can't say how she interpreted herself. She definitely kind of writes about it as like leaving behind men and yeah. going to the other side. The spook the spooks the spooks side. side. <laughs> but yeah, she seems to have...
1: Like whether wasn't. she would have identified as lesbian or bisexual doesn't really seem all that important. And it was pure and good and there were movements. That mm. is all true. Mm. That, that is, a- is all true. A beautiful and wholesome story. What a beautiful thing she brought into the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this has been Queer as Fact. I'm Irene. I'm Eli. I'm Alice. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook or Tumblr or Twitter as Queer as Fact. Or you can email us directly at queerasfacts@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can find us on Podbean or on iTunes. If you did listen to us on iTunes, we'd love it if you wanted to rate us and leave a review. It makes iTunes think we're great and show us to more people.
1: We have had a few reviews on iTunes, and some of them aren't even from people we directly know and who feel obligated. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you very much. We love you. One review we got was from person who doesn't have a very readoutable username which is either m3 and then a smiley face or perhaps the three is meant to be a part of the smiley face uh who wrote if one was to get their information from the mainstream culture they would think that no gay people existed before the 1970s this is why queerest fact is so refreshing they provide information on queerness which they capitalize which i quite like (laughs) from around the world and across time illustrating to any and all modern queer people that we are not alone and that's a pretty nice feeling so thank you for writing that. yeah Yeah. we get that from this podcast too and we love you and we had another one from tardis chaser (laughs) we love you and we had another one from tardis chaser who's either feeling very good or very bad about the christmas special right now i guess that could be one of our friends i don't know (laughs) who writes my favorite podcast and believe me i listened to enough of them the history is well researched and despite what you might expect the stories are often surprisingly uplifting I have seriously learned so much listening to this podcast and I cannot get enough. They offer a content warning at the beginning of each episode. So if a particular subject might be troubling for you, you know what you're in for. Oh, thank you. That's good. Yes. Yes. Um, We're someone's favourite podcast. Yeah. Aww. Which is nice. Thank you. If you give us reviews, we'll also tell everyone that we love you on air.
0: I just wanted to say we've been getting your suggestions. We appreciate them and we hopefully will get round to them all eventually.
1: We are very much aiming to, but we do have, like, a year and a half worth of content, even if we only did those episodes. So we do want to do them all, but you need to be (laughs) thankful. We're very sorry. Um, That's not to say not to keep sending them to us, especially if you have a suggestion that is from not the last 200 years and from any time if they're not European. Yeah, basically. Um, If you were like, damn, I had a list of five – european white men from the 19th century that's fine send us them anyway but we do try to make this diverse if possible we'll be back on
0: february the 15th with eli telling us about harvey milk an american politician and the first openly gay elected official in the history of california before we finish one last thing to say on january 30th British Trinidadian LGBT activist Jason Jones went to the Trinidad High Court to challenge the law that criminalises homosexual activity in Trinidad. The hearing is over, though we won't get results until April 12th, but there are several things you can do to help still. First, if you have any spare cash, donate to Jones' crowdfunding campaign to cover court fees, printing costs, transport and security for his pro bono lawyers. You can read up and educate yourself and others on this issue. And finally, listen to and share this Trinidadian pride anthem produced by EQ Loves Music and sung by Swedish Trinidadian Sarah Elizabeth Hansen and American Trinidadian Etzia Haylet, which I'm about to play on your way out. The links to all this information, including the crowdfunding link, are available on our Facebook page, our Twitter and our Tumblr. Thanks for listening. We hope everything goes well for Jason Jones and the people of Trinidad and Tobago.
2: Be a boss. boss, be an achiever Bruce knees, signs of a warrior To you there's no inferior Don't judge yourself by your exterior Only God is your superior Pick falls and brick walls all around us But we won't give up, no We're not stopping for no racism Watch just and tall tall Strangers and dangers all around us, but we won't back down, no. We know not stop in front of whitewashing. Watch us and talk in this world of serious times. Everybody cries sometimes. You're human with your human rights. Show the world that you.